Good morning, Orangewood. Jack, thank you. Worship team, thank you for your leadership. What a great time of worship this morning, right? Huh? Let's thank them again and thank the Lord. You know, Proverbs uh, uh, is an interesting uh, book. Proverbs 25, 27 says, It is not good to eat, eat much honey, nor is it good to seek one's own glory. But it is good for us to seek God's glory, isn't it? We're called to worship. We're brought into the presence of the living God. And he tells us it's good for us to think great thoughts about him, to think up. Uh, and, and the more our thoughts are about God, the bigger our thoughts are about God, the bigger people we become by God's grace and for his glory. Uh, and so we've been looking in this series, if you're just joining us, we've been in a series called Experiencing, Experiencing Awesome. The God of the universe is awesome. And we don't want to just know about him, we want to experience him. And so we've been talking about the fact that God is omnipotent. First of all, we talked about his, his aseity, that he is self-existent, that he is the uncaused cause. Then we talked about the fact that because of that, he is almighty, El Shaddai. Uh, and, and then we saw that he's immutable. He never changes. How could he? He's eternal. How could he change? How can perfection change? Today, we are going to look at an attribute that the church of Jesus Christ usually doesn't talk about. The patience of God. It's going to be good. Not because the sermon's going to be good. I hope. I don't bore you. But, wow, you will see the glory of God in the patience of God. But before we look at that, look at the text of Scripture, let's bow our heads and our hearts in prayer. Let's pray. Oh, great God, it is so good to be able to come into your presence today and to worship. To be taken out of that which is mundane and regular and tedious and even good. And to be able to come into the presence of he who is greater. So we worship you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We adore you. We worship you. We lift up your name. And all that your name represents. Your attributes that you've revealed to us. Thank you that you want us to know about you. Thank you that even though it seems like you're the hidden God, you're not. You've revealed yourself to us in so many ways in creation and in, and, and in your word. And we love you for your greatness, your majesty, your love, your grace, your mercy your omnipotence, your power. We thank you. We praise you. Lord, we praise you for your holiness. And as we have been led in worship today, we confess our sins. Lord, you know us and, and none of us is perfect. None of us is even grown near what we ought to. We run to Jesus and cling to Jesus. We confess our sins. And thank you that you cleanse us and forgive us. Now, Lord, as we, as we get ready to go into another week, we want to we wanna lift up your name and ask for requests. We ask, Lord, that you would work with those who are serving us. We pray you'd be with our police. Thank you for the Maitland police that are here today. Thank you for our officers around the nation. We pray you protect them. And, Father, we ask that you would use them in a powerful way. We pray for our schools, our teachers, 
our Christian school here, but other Christian schools in the, in the city. We pray for our teachers that they would be able to impart the truth and wisdom and knowledge. Father, we pray for our missionaries and the debris as we think of them going to the country to which they're going. We pray for wisdom, power, protection. We do pray that, Father. And now we also pray for our country. We pray for our president. And we pray for wisdom and guidance. We pray. We pray for our church. Pray for Orange Man, That you would be with us in a powerful way and speak to us today. Our desire is to listen to you. And so we pray for the one who teaches that you'd forgive him his sins. And use one who's finite to communicate your infinite truth. For we want to hear from you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've been in the series, Experiencing Awesome, Enjoying God, Transformed by Greatness. And one of the sub, uh, thing, the things that come out of the subtitle here, uh, Enjoying God, Experiencing Greatness, or Transformed by His Greatness, is the reality that when God redeems us, He's trying to also create us and build us into great people. That's something we don't think about. God is great. And in the redemption that we have in Christ, he's trying to build great people as he defines greatness. Not as the world defines greatness, but as he defines greatness. And we don't just want to know about him. You know, as Presbyterians, we sometimes know a lot. We know a lot. Um, We know To get ordained in our denomination is a trial, isn't it, Chuck? It's a chat. We call it the trials of ordination. Why? Because you got to know so much. I've been on the ordination councils where some guys didn't make it the first time or the second time or the third time. Why? Because we got to know so much. But oftentimes that means that we know so much, but we're not experiencing so much of the God of the universe. And he wants us to know him And experience him in our hearts and be transformed by him and and built into his image. And so today we're going to talk about uh, something that we all struggle with. We're going to talk about the patience of God, but we're going to talk about patience and we all struggle with patience. But I want to talk about uh, that real quick. We've looked at all of these attributes of God in the last several weeks. And uh, today is the last day we're going to look at a direct attribute of God. We're going to look at his patience today. Next week, we're going to look at Psalm 144 uh, to kind of wrap up this series. So you might want to read Psalm 144. It's a great psalm. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and his fingers are my fingers for battle. It's a great, it's a great psalm. And we'll wrap up the series next week. And then in September and October, we'll be heading in a, in a, in a new series. But the reality is, uh, whenever we do look into God's word, we're looking at God, aren't we? So we're always looking at the attributes of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and how he has uh, revealed himself to us. Okay, patience. Can we talk? When I think about patience, when someone says, chill out, be patient, my eyes narrow and my heartbeat increases. I do not even like the word. I struggle with it. I, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, how, um, how many of you are patient people? 
Raise your hand. I don't see any. I think it's something we all struggle. Those of you who are patient were far too modest to raise your hands. I get that. Uh, and that, that's good. How do you respond when someone says to you, chill out, relax, simmer down, cool it? What do you do? What do you? Uh, Oren Arnold is the guy who put it. You've always heard this. This is not new to you. The prayer of modern American Christians is, dear God, I pray for patience and I want it. What? Right now. Yeah, Oren Arnold is the guy who first said that prayer. And I think we all know that patience is a virtue. Would we agree with that? Yeah, we all know that it's a virtue. We all know it's something we ought to have in our lives. Uh, but because I'm a doer, I, 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 yeah, I struggle with this. I struggle with patience. Patience, waiting on God, waiting on other people, you know, waiting on, yeah, I struggle with it. I, confession is good for the soul. This is not easy, going to be easy for me. And I, I'm a little cynical about patience too. Someone said, if you're too lazy to start anything, you might get the reputation for patience. Some of you will get that later. I, you know, because I'm so, I struggle with that. And some people, I think that our patient might be lazy. I don't know. It's just, just part of my cynicism. One thinker from the past, Ambrose Bierce, put it this way. Patience is a minor form of despair disguised as a virtue. I get that. That so resonates with me. That when somebody says, be patient, when God says, be patient, it's kind of like, I feel this sense of despair (laughs) going, can we talk? I'm an SUP. And some of you are too. An SUP is a sped up person. A sped up person. Coffee helps. And uh, I, I thank God for it. But confession is good for the soul. That's the way I am. And when I think of the reality, that's how I was wired. When I think of the reality of being sped up and impatient somewhat by temperament, I think of sports. And I like those sports that are more active, right? I mean, I, like, I used to play racquetball. I don't play racquetball much anymore. Brian Regan, the comedian, said racquetball is the only game in which the ball can hit the front wall and the back of your head at the same time. <laughs> But I like it. I, I liked it. And uh, uh, I, I like sports. That's why when I see the Winter Olympics and I see curling as a part of the Winter Olympics, I just go, what? <laughs> curling is a sport? And some of you guys are going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a sport. You love curling. I know who you are. I don't get it. You're not going to be able to impress me with uh, any argument because I feel like sports ought to be active curling. They're patient. They sweep well on that stone. At any rate, there are some SUPs in here. I'm not the only one I know. Some people are patient. Some people are not very patient by temperament. Some people are patient in some areas. This is important. Someone said a woman who has never seen her husband's, uh, her husband fishing doesn't know what a patient man she married. Most of all, I resonate with Phillips Brooks. Phillips Brooks was the Episcopalian New England preacher uh, who came up with a lot of good things about preaching that a lot of us have learned from over the years. He's an old guy. He's been, he's been gone a long time. But once he was known for his calmness and his patience. But one time he's pacing in his office, pacing in his office, and a friend comes in and goes, Dr. Brooks, what's the matter? And he goes, the bottom line is I'm in a hurry and God isn't. You get that? 
You ever that way? Yeah. And so, and so as we think about the patience of God, what is absolutely amazing as we study it, and I hope you will come to the conclusions that I've come to as well, that the patience of God reveals his glory, his greatness, his grandeur in an amazing way. It's stunning as we think of the patience of God. So we're going to look, go down two, two roads today, the truth of the patience of God and the power of the patience of God. First of all, let's look at the truth of the patience of God because we often miss the patience of God in the Bible because the word patient is not always connected with God in the Bible. It's there, but it's, it's not always connected. Sometimes the idea of patience is connected with other attributes of God, like forbearance and mercy and grace, uh, and, uh, uh, but, but God is not shy in telling us that he is patient, even if he doesn't use that word all the time. We've got some scriptures that we want to follow. They're in your bulletin, but I think we're going to put them up here. Exodus 34, 6. Then the Lord God passed by. This is dealing with Moses. It says, then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, this is God talking about himself. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. So the word loving kindness is the Hebrew word hesed, which carries this idea of covenant faithfulness. God made a covenant with us and he is faithful to us in that covenant. But notice the words, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger. Do not raise your hand. Do not nudge someone next to you. Who here is not slow to anger? That'll kill a marriage, won't it? Kill your kids, but quick-tempered, rough. God is slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. Patience is there. We just don't see the word. And then in Numbers 14, 18, again, uh, the word hesed is used. The Lord is slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, forgiving iniquity and transgression. He's slow, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations. This is instructive because here we see the patience of God in the word loving kindness, slow to anger. Uh, and then we see the justice of God when the word justice is not even there in the text. Does by the way, speaking of justice, does God bring justice? Yes, he cannot not bring justice because he is just. Does he bring justice in the time zone frame that we want? Of course not, but he brings it. Why doesn't he bring justice right away? Because he is patient. So the patience forbearance of God is put in with other attributes uh, that we see in the scriptures. The fact is that God is patient and he wants to be known as patient. And by the way, there are always some people who think they're, as they follow Christ, as they follow the God of the universe, that they're paranoid because I got to change now. I got to do it or God is going to get me. I mean, the lightning bolt has got Martin Luther uh, you know, walking out in, 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 in the open air when the, when the storm was coming and the lightning hit nearby, he said, St. Anne, I'll become a monk. He thought God was out to get him all the time. You understand um, 
the reality that God is not impatient. He's patient with us. Now, there's always somebody in our family or nearby that will push us, right? If you have more than one kid, and that one kid might push you, they're all gone now, so we can talk about them. But if you have two or three kids, I, we had one, at least, that pushed my patience all the time. And then I, re- I realized where he got it. And I pray for Karen all the time. I want you to know. The reality, the reality is, is that, that he got it for me. Isaiah 7, 13. I love this. Then he said, listen now, O house of David, is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men that you will try the patience of God as well? So God is patient, but there's always somebody that's there to push the button. And the Israelites pushed the button and tried the patience of God over and over and over. Jeremiah 15, 15. You who know the Lord, remember me, take notice of me and take vengeance on me from, uh, on my persecutors. Then he says, do not in view of your patience, take me away. Know for your sake that I endure reproach. So Jeremiah knew that God was patient. And he said, God, be patient with me. Years ago, a little button came out that some of us used to wear. It had all these little initials in it. I mean, it came out so long ago, there's none that exist on the planet anymore. But it, it was the initials of, yeah, please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. I used to wear mine all the time. It's a good excuse. But we're growing. We got to. Patience is a challenging thing. You know, it's, it's easy to overlook Catch this. This is important. It's easy to overlook a patient person. It's easy to marginalize someone who is patient. It's easy to say, I, you know, they're patient. They're not going to get upset with me. Good. I hear your opinion. Good. I'm going to move on to something else. And that's very true when it comes to God because God is patient. It's very easy for us to overlook him. Romans 2.4. Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Have you ever wondered why God puts up with bad people in our world for a long period of time, for a whole lot longer than we would ever uh, put up with? Why? The patience of God. Let's get personal. Why has God, why has God put up with you for so long? You're wondering, why has he put up with me? There are times I look at myself in the mirror and say, you should not put up with me. But he does. Listen to Paul. This won't be up there. Listen, 1 Timothy 1. I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though. I was formerly a blasphemer and persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I'm foremost of all. Yet for this reason, I found mercy. So that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect Patience 
as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. And then he ends with the benediction. Now unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. God's patience is perfect for you and me. Stephen Charnock wrote in a landmark book in 1853, The Existence and Attributes of God. It was too long a book. I don't encourage you to read it. I can barely get through it. I tell you, don't, don't. Here's the best part of one section on the goodness of God. It is part of the divine goodness and mercy. Patience is part of the divine goodness and mercy. I love that. Uh, Yet differs from both. God being the greatest goodness has the greatest mildness. Mildness is always the companion of true goodness. And the greater the goodness, the greater the mildness. Who so holy is Christ? Who so meek? God's slowness to anger is a branch of his mercy. The Lord is full of compassion, slow to anger. And then he uh, wraps it up with this. Mercy respects the creature as miserable. Patient respects the creature as criminal. Mercy pities him in his misery. Patient bears with the sin which engendered the misery and giving birth to more. Another theologian said this about, about, the, uh, about the patience of God. He said, think about this. God is absolutely omnipotent. We've talked about that. He is El Shaddai, God Almighty, right? We've talked about that. God is all-powerful. And at the same time, completely, perfectly patient. The patience of God, Arthur W. Pink said, is God, God's power under control. And when I think of getting out of control, I know that when I'm impatient, I'm out of control. But God is never out of control with you, with me. If you let that sink in, that changes things, doesn't it? Wow, it's amazing. It's glorious uh, when we think of this. This is starting to get my attention. God's patience is his stateliness, his majesty, and his glory. All right, let me, let me tell you a couple of things, and then we'll go on to the next point. But this is the patience of God answers a lot of questions. It answers the question, why did Israel get, God let Israel get away with so much before he sent them into captivity in 722 B.C. and 586 B.C.? Have you ever thought about it? You read the Old Testament. You read 1 Samuel, 1 Kings, 1 Chronicles, and you go, Lord. Then you read Judges. You go, Lord, deal with those suckers. And the reason he, he does it is because he's patient with those with whom he's made a covenant. The the patience of God answers the question, why did it take so long for me to come to faith in Christ? Because God is patient toward us. Because it takes a long time to understand that Christianity is not religion. Christianity is what Jesus does for us, right? Christianity is what Jesus does and what God does to show us our need for a savior, and then he goes to the cross. Christian, and it takes a long time to understand that what we're about is substitution, not works. It takes a long time where he opens our eyes, he draws us to Christ, and then we become a Christian. But it's, it's in the, when we first started our church out in Winter Springs, it came from you. 
Um, we had a guy that joined our core group, and he was a 55-year-old retired Navy guy who became a Christian. And we'd do, he'd help me build out the storefront, and we'd do things together. And, and uh, he'd say, Pete, why, why in the world did it take so long for me to come to faith in Christ? I was raised in the church, but I never accepted Christ until just a couple of weeks ago. Why? I said, I don't know. Do I look like the Holy Spirit? But I know that God has his time. I said, maybe, maybe, maybe he brought you to Christ then to reach people your age, which I've surpassed now. But maybe, maybe his timing was perfect. Thought about that? Um, the patience of God answers the question, uh, how can, can God use people like us? Because fallenness and brokenness is 100%, isn't it? And as we look around, you're wonderful people. But we're all broken, every one of us. How does the church of Jesus Christ make advance? Only by his grace through broken people. He's patient with us, building us. Every day of our life. The patience of God is so striking that when we personalize it, we see in our own stories the need for the patience of God. He's shown it over and over and over. The patience of God answers the question, why not just clean up the mess? Jesus, why don't you do something about the brokenness, the evil, the sin that's in the world? Have you ever thought that? Lord, just clean it up. Why don't you do something about it? And he says, I have done something about it. I sent my son, and in his death, burial, and resurrection, I've done something about the mess. And, and then there's a great passage that says this, 2 Peter 3.15, regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. You know why he doesn't come back right away? Because there's still people that he has ordained before the foundation of the world that are going to come to faith in Christ. Has he done something about evil? Yes. Will he do something about evil? Yes. He's patient that his plan could get worked out in, in powerful ways in our lives. The truth of the patience of God is so important. It ought to lead us to worship. That's the first application. So as we think about the power of the patience of God, I want to, I want to suggest to you guys that, that as we think about the patience of God, and please do think about the patience of God this week and how he's been patient with you as I realize how slow I grow sometimes and how I just don't get it. It's a cause of worship and loyalty to him. But, but there's other things I've learned about the patience of God when we think of the power of the patience of God. Wouldn't it be wonderful, and by way of application as we look at the second point, the power of the patience of God, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could become, if the, if the glory of the patience of God could be developed in us? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Because we all, you've already admitted it, that you need it just as much as I do. And the reality is, he will, he can. Galatians 5, 22 through 33. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. My eyes are narrowing. My heartbeat is increasing. God wants this, this boy to become more patient. And I am a little bit. A little bit. But I see now more why God wants me patient. And that is because I am his beloved redeemed son who he wants to build his image and rebuild his image. And he wants you patient because he's patient. He wants, he wants us to, to have his image built in us. It's one of the fruit of, of what Christ has done for us is to build us into the likeness of Christ, into the likeness of our heavenly father. And so he really is at work to build us into patient people because he's patient and wants to see that. Some of you are very patient in your temperament. God bless you. We need you. Some of my key staff have always been more patient people. And, and, and so God bless you. But most of us need to be transformed into more patient people. A second application here is that patience really is, by going a little bit deeper, part of the transformational work of God. He really is trying to transform us in marriage. Could you imagine in marriage, in parenting, in listening. This is, this is a challenge. Sometimes I have such a difficult time just listening. Am I ADD? No. Yes. <laughs> in thinking about what to say, listening to God before we say it, in church life and making churches in home family. Some of the biggest areas where I have erred is moving too quickly. I, I love this with church leaders. Our church leaders need to have patience. I mean, you have patient leaders here. There's a time to be impatient in a holy way. I, I, I want to grow up. I want to mature. I, I, I want to see the kingdom advance. There is a, a call for, in, for, for holy impatience, if you will. But most of the time, we need patience because otherwise we will try to manipulate and control people, which kills relationships. Can we talk? Prayer and patience go hand in hand, don't they? And, and can we talk about the state of where we're at now in the life of our church? Don't we need patience? Don't, don't we need the example of our great God who, who knows everything from the beginning to the end and who can give us as his people patience and, and our leaders patience as we work this out, as we move ahead. The patience of God is so needed personally, relationally, and corporately. We need it all the time. Uh, this morning in my daily appointment with God, uh, I didn't expect to find these two verses, but it came out. Psalm 41, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. Proverbs 19.2, also it is not good to be a person, uh, for a person to be without knowledge and he who hurries his footsteps errs. When I rush, I make mistakes. We make mistakes. 
as we move ahead, as a church, as, as, as a body moves ahead, uh, we do need the patience of God, don't we? Relationally, every, every, every relationship we have, but we have, to, we have to relax. Chill out. Simmer down. Trust our leaders. Uh, there's some great synonyms for patience. Forbearance, fortitude, composure, poise, submission, endurance, imperturbability, non-resistance to his will, self-control, serenity, humility, steadiness. You know what I've noticed is that the enemies of the truth are often very patient to carry out their objectives. And so, and so the people of the gospel need to be patient as we move ahead. For God is at work in you, and he's at work in the church. He really is. We wait for the right timing for what God wants to do. My friend, retired Colonel Tommy Adkins, used to talk about the Civil War as the late, great unpleasantness. I'm from California. You know, I don't, have a, I don't have a dog in that fight. I mean, you know, I, northerner, southerner. Barbara Barker at Orangewood, or excuse me, at uh, Briarwood Presbyterian Church when I was doing my internship there called me a Yankee. She said, where are you from? I said, California. She said, you're a Yankee. <laughs> okay, I, I guess. Robert E. Lee said to the southerners, after the Civil War, listen to this. He said, he said, abandon your animosities and make your sons Americans. Abandon your animosities and make your sons Americans. I, I read that. And I said, that applies to us right now. We've been through a rough time. We got to abandon our animosities. We got to trust the Lord of the universe. Wait patiently for him. As he leads through, Jesus is in charge, large and in charge, and he works through his word, his duly authorized officers, and the sacraments, and the worship of the church. He's at work. That's how we move ahead. We abandon our animosities and work to make uh, his patience our patience. He will heal our hearts. He'll bring repentance to us. And help us to be a body that brings repentance to others. I, I want you to catch the vision that Orangewood has great future. You have some of the best worship in town. Can we talk? You're situated local in a place that's absolutely central. You know this. You know the. You got to have a vision for the future. <laughs> Because God wants to do something. He isn't finished. He's large and in charge. And we can trust him. Someone said, um, and he was a missionary, CT stud, he said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So that's why we move ahead. Actively waiting, actively working, taking our cue from our great God who is perfectly patient. Would you pray for me in this area? And I'll pray for you. You take it to heart. 
And let's pray. Our God, we worship you for your love and mercy and forbearance and patience in broken people's lives. We thank you that we can rest in you and trust in you. And so, Lord, as we wait patiently upon the Lord, we look for you to work in ways that we can't even imagine. We ask for your glory and your wisdom, your power. And for just a minute before I turn it back over to our worship team, I want to say while we're still pray that it's possible that you have never yet come to know the living God of the universe personally. You know about him, but you've never re- received him into your heart. And it's so important that we do that as we sing about Jesus, as we talk about him as a savior, the only savior of the world. I invite you today to pray something in your heart similar to this, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner and, and I need a say, I'm impatient, but that's not my only sin. And I need a redeemer. I need a savior. And I've known about you Jesus, but today I want to follow. I I want you to do a work in me. Cause me today to embrace you by faith. I do. I embrace you by faith and trust in your work on my behalf. Build in me the kind of person that you want me to be and help me to tell others about how patient and wise and holy you are. If you prayed that prayer, I'd like to know about it. The elders would. It's the big step that a person has to take in his life. So God, we give you honor and we give you praise. And we thank you that you put up with us more than we understand. Would your perfect patience work in us, we pray. In the strong name of our risen Savior, Jesus. Amen.